Hello, Strat fans. This is Jimmy James, and you're listening to Stratology, the show for and by students of Stratomatic. We have a ton to get to today. Tournaments, new segments, and roundtables galore. So sit back, grab your cards and dice, and let's roll! Play. Now it's time to get out those standings if you're going to. We'll wait. You think they're really doing it? I don't know. Okay, let's look at the rankings. First place, Frankie35. He has been on a tear all season. And, and in my opinion, is a lock. Uh, he might even be a lock uh, mathematically already. Number two is Gritch. Been steady all year and just has had a great 2000s event. And I think he is also a lock. It is places 3 through 17 that are really interesting. No offense to 18 through 24. They're all great players even to get to this point. And they are probably still even in it mathematically. but. I believe it would take amazing runs and complete collapses for them to make it. So, let's look at the pack. Tied for third with 478 points is F. Aaron and Jimmy James 209. These two teams are going in the opposite direction. F. Aaron's record in the fifth event is 78 and 63, and Jimmy James 209, 62 and 79. In 5th place, Master Moser 56 at 477 points, and his record in the 5th event is 73-68. and 68. Uh, You might remember from uh, two weeks ago that he is who lost to Hendricks 08 in the Players' Championship, so just a great player. In 6th place, uh, Hollow Rose with 476 points. His record in the fifth event is 77 and 64, and he's currently leading his division. In seventh, Lee 300, 474 points. Uh, his fifth event, he's 65 and 76. At number eight, we have another two teams that are kind of going in the opposite direction. At 471 points, we have rigged splits with a 65-76 and 76 record in the fifth event, and Yugoslavin with a 73-68 and 68 record in the fifth event. In 10th place, Jimmy C., with 467 points, 75-66, and 66, and leading his division. At number 11 is Adam Katz, 465 points, 75-66, and 66, also leading his division. In the 12th spot is Emberati 76, 463 points, 79 and 62, just really tearing it up, and leading his division. In 13th is THS 92110 with 460 points. This fifth event, he's 64 and 77. In 14th is Pushpin 76, last year's winner, 
with 459 points. He's 77 and 64 in the fifth round and leading his division. In 15th is S. Philip, 8, with 458 points, 69 and 72, right below 500. 16th is Killer Mark at 456 points. He's 75 and 66 in the fifth round. And in 17th is Tahakahana with 453 and 70 and 71 in the fifth event. Lots of good players and all bunched up together. The way I see it, uh, there's definitely those two locks that I mentioned earlier. Uh, F. Aaron, Master Moser 56, and Holla Rose. Uh, I don't really see how they're not in it either. Uh, I think you have the next tier with Jimmy C, uh, Adam Katz, Emberati 76, and Hugh Slavin. They're definitely on the right path. Uh, I I think there's a very good chance all those guys can make it. Uh, all those teams, uh, except for Hugh Slavin. I mean, the other three are just super on fire right now. Uh, that would be nine out of the twelve teams that would make it uh, into the finals. Uh, one reminder is that at the end of the regular season, there's still points for the playoffs for this fifth event. So every division leader is going to get five points. Uh, whoever wins the semifinals is going to get five points. And whoever wins the finals is going to get five points. So that will mean four teams will get another five points. Two teams will get another 10 points, and two teams will get 15 more points. So even with a week left, it really is still just very close. Uh, between third place and 17th place, 15 players, and there's only 25 points between them. And like I said... Whoever wins each event is going to get 15 for that alone. I think the real questions are, how far will Jimmy James 209, Lee 300, and Rigged Splits fall? They were all just, the three of them were all three great teams during uh, the first four rounds. Uh, they were in the top 12 the entire time. Uh, still are. But they definitely, all three teams, have lost uh, places in the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, the other question would be if Pushpin76, last year's champ, and Killer Mark can bust into that top 12. Both have been moving up fast, and both are playing very well right now. And with 21 games left... Definitely, I could see them, uh, if if the, those guys like Jimmy C and Adam Kantz move up and push, you know, Lee and Jimmy James and those guys down, uh, it, it could be uh, it could be tough. And and definitely, Pushpin seventy six or Killer Mark, I think, could come up and uh, take those eleventh and twelfth spots. I I truly think they have a have a very good chance at doing that. Well, we will definitely know next week. Uh once these games have played out, uh I'll have that list for you next week of who's gonna be in the finals. 
After this, we'll be back with a quick look at the other two. First, let's look at the Barnstormers. The first two rounds are done. The third round, everybody is about 120 games in. And the fourth round has just started. Everyone's about 15 games in. In first place is Child's MWC. Tied for second, Ruski and Goff Chile. Number four, Frankie T. Number five, Austin M. Davidson. Tied for 6th, our friend Hendrix08 and Dugout. In 8th, Bruce F. Tied for ninth, Mescaton and Springer0432 to round out the top 10. Next up, the Players' Championship. Event 1 is about halfway done. Event 2 has just started. Uh, In 1st place, Texas Ken. In second, Bob711. In third, I believe it's pronounced Nurpool. In fourth, Serotic Liver. In fifth is Wayne Nick. In a three-way tie for six, there's Mocha Dog, Chris S., and KLX22. In ninth is Steady Eddie 33. And tied for tenth is J.D. Clark and Freeman. That is it for our look at the three big Strat 365 tournaments. Uh, The other thing we'd like to do is congratulate Steve Jarrett for winning the tournament July 2nd in L.A. and the Western Region of the Strat Tournament Players Championship. I again want to stress, go check out their website. Lots of great Strat information and all the information on the upcoming tournaments. August 7th and 8th, the Jasper region has a tournament in Detroit. Uh, the August 14th and 15th, the Eastern region has a tournament in Worcester, Massachusetts. And August 28th and 29th, the Western region has a tournament in San Jose. And then, of course, there's the ones for net play and pure strat that play online. So, Really, really check them out. I I promise you will get something out of it. We'll be back after this with our new segment. Remember, we want to hear from you whether my secret weapon is, if you've been to a tournament, or the new question we're going to have in our next segment. Give us a call. Our number is 855-888-0096. We would love to hear from you and... Be part of the show. Back in a sec. You're listening to the 365 Sportscast Network, the streaming future of sports talk radio. Listen to us round the clock on the net over 365sportscast.com on your phone with the 365 SportsCast app, and on your favorite smart speaker by enabling the 365 SportsCast skill and saying, play 365 sports. 
The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of 365 Sportscast LLC, its owners and partners, or this network. Now our new segment, Hometown Rules. One of the great things about Strat is the three ways to play, Basic, Advanced, Super Advanced, and the fact that it's possible to play a mixture of the three, or even add in a few rules of your own. That's what this segment is about. Call us on our 8-100 number and let us know what your hometown rules are. Personally, I play Advanced with a little sprinkle of Super Advanced. How do you play? Call and leave us a message, 855-888-0096. Come on, be a part of the show. Okay, see you on the other side. The strat of the round table. We are back with our round table. Here with me is Sir Charles, Sir Eric, and Sir Kiko. You guys know Sir Charles. Sir Eric, how long have you been playing strat? Uh, so I got into the strat in the, uh, uh, when I was about 15 years old, 84, 85. It must have been 85 because that's part uh, the cards I remember starting with were the 1984 set, uh, just with a buddy from school. Uh, he he uh, he got me hooked on the drug. The 84 <laughs> set is actually the first set that uh, we ever had too. Me and my, me, me and Jimmy D's. Yeah, I still got it. I still got. I I I went ahead and ordered it after I played his. I I ordered it as a kid and I've still got the original 84s and uh, collected a few since then. But yeah, it's a. So, oh, that's yeah, very special. cool. How about you, Sir Kiko? When did you start playing Strat? Hi, guys. So so my story is connected directly to the All-Star Disc Baseball Canico. So my, my, I'm sure you guys might be familiar with it. So when I was little, um, we played that game. And up until about 88, I was able to sneak into my dad's cabinet and start getting at his, his Strat cards. So... Um, he had the original 61, 62 set, then 63, 64, then 70, 71, and then he had individual teams, top teams from the 80s, like, you know, the 80 Royals and Brewers and, of course, the 84 Cubs. So I didn't get my own cards till 90, but I started playing in, like, 89, um, and it was, I got access to his cards by sneaking um, so I was learning the game through the probability angle of capital to begin with, and then uh, so it's been like 32 years. Uh, that few kids are the ones who sneak into the closet and get their dad's strat cards out. That's wonderful. <laughs> I even brought them to school, uh, which was pushing it a little bit too far. Um, I don't even remember getting in trouble or getting caught. Very cool. That's the whole secret scrap player, strat player segment <laughs> I was thinking of. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Okay, so our main topic this episode was hometown rules. Those rules that are individual to us and our friends that we play. So, let's go around. 
Let's start with you, Charles. What are some of the what are some of the hometown rules that 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 you have? Well, one thing I like to go by, and I hear people use this phrase all the time: "Your league, your rules." So you can play Strat any way that you want, which is really super cool. Uh, but uh, you know, my favorite rule is the hit by pitch rule. So uh, you know, I try to be really realistic that if there's a hit by pitch, that's one thing. You know, there's a warning. I warn the dice. And then uh, if there's a second hit by pitch within two innings of the first one, then there's a pitcher ejection, whoever throws the second hit by pitch. And then every other hit by pitch after that is an ejection automatically. But if you don't get the one within the two inning rule, like someone hits a batter five innings later, you know, he stays in the game. Wow. That's very cool. I had never, I had never even thought about that. That's, that's very interesting. I had, I mean, I had also put in the whole thing with maybe batters being ejected, but like, you know what? I don't want to forget my own rules. So if I'm playing cards and dice, I might influence the outcome by being like, Oh, does he get kicked out? Does, do I want him to get kicked out? Like, I just want to kind of keep it, believe it or not, keep it simple as I just gave you a complicated rule. Uh I got to piggyback on that one because my I I did the hit by pitch rule ejection rule too and it was for me it's uh, two two hit by pitches by the same pitcher so it doesn't matter the span um, and then and then it, it kind of is and then everyone after that too like you said and then it becomes a a brouhaha but uh, so I'll, I'll do that and then um, I've also I also for some reason. It depends on kind of like I said, what mood I'm in. If there's a hit by pitch right after a home run, <laughs> oh, so so I've done that before and I've not done it before. So honestly, God, it's just like it's just like oh, this seems you know if if the if the team that hit the home run is up by six and you know hits a home run, then of course the the you know the the pitcher's gonna plunk the next guy because there's you know things are out of hand. So so it's kind of like uh, would would he do that? Would he not do that? You know, I, so I kind of play play that one a little bit differently. Uh, but I've got a little role playing. Uh, do you have any do you have any others that you had? Uh... Um, you know, the, a couple of minor minor. Uh, like I I do. Uh, I, I, I think with, with two outs, I give a couple of extra roll. I give a couple extra rolls or, or uh, numbers on the safe zone on the 20 die roll, uh, like going to third or going home because I get, when you, when you're off with the, when you're off with the pitch, I think you're only supposed to give them one or two extra. I give them like four extra because it's, because you're running. I mean, I just, I can't imagine you get thrown out at third on a, on a, you know, on a, on a base hit the left field if you're running from first on two out. So, so things like that, I'll, I'll stretch a few rules. I don't have, I don't have anything overly crazy like that. Um, uh, I do, I, I totally redo the injury. I, I've got my whole, whole separate injury chart because I got so frustrated with, you know, four batters on a team getting injured and no pitchers, uh, no pitchers getting injured in strat to me, just, I, I don't know why they haven't fixed that in the real game, but, but I've got my whole, whole set of injuries on, on a three twelve or a six twelve. Uh, I, I have an injury possibility, you know, to either the pitcher, the batter or the, or the uh, fielder. Uh, I've got the small, small percentage of injury possibility to the fielder because, you know, yeah, players run into each other and, or run into the stand trip over the whatever. So, so, so I kind of uh, redid the injury thing. And then uh, probably the last was more quirky than, than an actual 
redo, but um, I've got, I play weather effects because uh, I, I I really play a lot of 90s stuff and that's when the weather charts came out and I was like, oh, this is cool. So it was kind of intricate and fun. So I play weather effects a lot. And then I, 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 I I've kind of, I've kind of expanded on those two. So I've got, I've got sort of a, a separate chart that I do with my chart to, to see if there's a weather delay or a whole bunch of other things. So I, I, I kind of played with the, the stuff around the rules more than the actual, a lot more than the actual gameplay. Although some gameplay stuff I've, I've tweaked. I, I, I do basic with a smattering of- Well, I, you know what? That should be, a, that should be a, a, a real, just a quick thing to go through the, the three of you guys. So do you guys play basic, advanced, or super advanced, or a combination of the three? Uh, let's, uh, let's start with you, Kiko, real quick, and then we'll, we'll come back to talk to you more about, but your rules. But do you play basic, uh, advanced, or super advanced? When I'm teaching the game, like, say to a friend or a kid, we definitely start basic, and that's how I learned. Um, but the league that I'm in now, it's always, it's always super advanced. But minus the weather effects, and, um, I think what else we don't. I think we kind of altered the. We don't warm up pitchers anymore. Um, so from year to year, the league rules might change. Okay. What well, What about you, Eric? Is it Is it advanced? Super advanced? Yeah, it's it's basically advanced. I'm sorry, it's advanced. <laughs> throw the word basic out because I play the back of the card, and then uh, uh, I do some advanced rules like with the steals and, and whatever. I don't do the pass balls and, and that, but. But I'll use the uh, I'll use the super advanced chart for sacrifices, hidden runs, which I don't play a lot of. But uh, but I'll, I'll play advanced, I'll play super with some things. But but but, but the base my baseline is what what about you, Charles? I found basic was too basic. I have a nice sweet spot with advanced, and I play advanced pretty much exclusively. Uh, super advanced with my attention deficit disorder, it does not work real well. Like I just. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get really frustrated just trying. I'm sure once I I would get it, I would get it. But you know what? For me, the, the advanced scheme, I love it. And if it's if it's not broken for me, then I'm not going to fix it. Well, I think that's one of the beautiful parts of the game. Like like uh, like Hiko had said, if you're teaching a if you're teaching a kid, that you could use that basic set, and then then you could actually just take. You know that one baby step, and here we're playing basic, but let's use the back of the card. Yeah, the righty lefty, and then you know you can add the next that that next level. Is that kind of how you do it, Kiko? Yeah, well, someone mentioned um, steal, like like supplementing rules one by one as you teach the game. Um, and now you guys just um, remind me that that in our league that we've been playing for you know sixteen, seventeen years, we we don't use the wild pitching and um, uh, pass balls. I would have forgot to even mention that. I do want to mention, um, you didn't ask me yet about our house rules. I do want to mention something really Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's what I we should go. I want to go into next, Kiko. What, uh, you, you had said to me before that you guys play in a long standing league. It's, it, you've been together for 16 years. Uh, it's a keeper league, um, where, okay, so the, our super draft involves all rosters. So if I pick, if I pick Babe Ruth, I have him for the entire career. If I pick Willie Mays, then he gets slotted in the roster, the all-time roster. So when you make picks, you have to look at time, or you know, a decade at a decade at a time, or, or what positions are filled. So that the roster um, isn't isn't all the way complete because we've only played all the 80s. We've played some 90s. 
So we randomly pick where we play, but the roster is is just like a grid, um, which is kind of cool. But the, the house rule that I thought is really interesting now that I think about it is our rare play chart. We have like a, um, when there's a rare play on a super advanced fielding, um, the, we roll a 20, and then we read from this custom rare play chart, um, which I'll share with you guys in a link, um, but it's position by position, one through 20. And there's like crazy stuff like collisions and ejections and, um, you know, uh, fielder drops to pop up uh, due to a celebrity in the stands, uh, home manager chooses or names the celebrity, like little interesting things like that that I think really, um, you know, the humorous and, and, and interesting because the, the, the rare play chart on the, on the strip is so lame compared to artists. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, I always do some hometown rules with about um, capping innings and at bats. I, I don't play replay seasons, but I always will calculate current plate appearances divided by the game times 162 to avoid like just teams getting an unfair advantage by overuse of especially guys in the bullpen or guys off the bench that had 100 at bats, you know, should not have 400 at bats. Yeah. Even though if someone else wants to play that way, that's cool. But uh, I don't like it. I consider it cheating. <laughs> yeah, then I cheat a lot. Uh, but I only play myself, so 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 I'm okay. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, some where some of those guys have come up because I, I do consider it kind of a more of a, a fantasy atmosphere. And oh, what if what if this what if John Walkenfuss really would have uh, you know uh, played you know 600 at bats that year or something? Uh, and then you kind of. So I consider it more of a fantasy uh, universe using using real stats, but I I I, I yeah I kind of back away from the real realistic uh, stuff because frank, frankly I don't want to track all that. I just I fun playing when I play and and the card's great, the card's great and yeah, I'm not, I, yeah so it's just kind of fun. Well, that's yeah, also, that. Okay, what was that? Kiko? Yeah. Also, on the best thing um, for us. We've done it before where you try and accumulate the check at bats and innings for the whole season, which becomes annoying because some people don't keep up on their stats and then that gives them an advantage. But now we've we've changed the rules over the years to where it's series by series. So if I'm playing a one game series, two game series, or three game series, there's a chart that we go to for um, the amount of bats that a player gets. And then you know we do something similar for innings. Um so so when you're playing head to head three games against someone. You have right there opposing manager has he knows when the guy's going to be out of the bat, so he can, he can call out the other guy and go for you. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Oh, any any other any other rules that you guys have for that league, Kiko? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I know I don't know if I want to make uh, if you guys ever played the basketball games, but we made a whole chart for the end of the basketball games, which was really awesome. Um. To make it more realistic, what goes down at the end of the basketball game? Can't think of any more. Maybe small ones. Well, I'll need to have you come on and teach us a little bit about the baseball. I mean, the basketball game. I've never played it before. I yeah. love the basketball game. Yeah, it's it's the computer is definitely. Um, I don't know. I think it's built to easier play <laughs> for easier play for basketball than, than baseball. We've always we've always played um, tabletop, and the games you know take sometimes two hours basketball because you're trading you're tracking every single event oh wow very cool have, have you oh sorry about that uh, eric have you ever played the basketball 
I haven't. Uh, I've, I've just, I've got too many projects going with baseball uh, that I feel like I'll never, I'll never stretch out. Uh, somebody tried to show me APBA and, and status pro in the past. And I'd be like, look, this looks fun and this looks cool too. And I'm sure basketball, football are great too, but I just, I feel like I'm never, I'm, 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 I found my Charles Kiko, <laughs> have you ever played the football cool. or the hockey? I played football with a face-to-face, head-to-head with a guy I went to high school with, and that was funny. I'd like to discover 365 football, but I just don't really know how that particularly works. And there's not even a YouTube of someone playing 365 football as it plays out in roles. And I want to kind of see it before I invest in it. Well, that's got to be something that the show does then. We'll have to get somebody on to explain the football game to us. So... Yeah, okay. I, I, played football. I played football also, um, and it was great, like with my grandpa head to head, because you're you're moving the ball on the on the game board, which I always thought was cool. The play calling, and uh, um, the three six five does not compare to head to head. So, the, so yeah, the, I mean, one thing I find out, oh, one thing ahead, I find about the football is it's like you're guessing it's going to be a, playing defense. You're guessing it's going to be a run, or guessing that it's going to be a pass, and I think that almost has too much influence. Like you can totally shut down someone based on your inklings. So offensively, if you play against tendencies, like you're throwing a bomb on first down a lot, or you're doing a running play on like third and seven, it works to your advantage when in the real game, you know, a real football game, um, you're kind of screwed if you do that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like chess. Um, the, the advanced football game, board game, so you can position your defense into zones, which is really cool because you have these little tanks for your players. Um, so you could you could run your offense in a certain direction. You could set your de- defense up in a certain direction. Like it, it is pretty cool because it's right there, like a chessboard. Wow, very cool, very very cool. Well, dude, Kiko, we'll have to have you back on so you can explain yes, a little bit more about the football to us. Well, what do you yes, say sir. about that? Yes, sir. I mean. Okay, guys. Well, this is about all the time we have for uh, Sir Strat today. I uh, really appreciate you guys being here with me, Sir Charles, Sir Eric, and Sir Kiko. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the 365 Sportscast Network, the streaming future of sports talk radio. Listen to us round the clock on the net over 365sportscast.com. On your phone with the 365 Sportscast app. And on your favorite smart speaker by enabling the 365 Sportscast skill and saying, play 365 sports. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of 365 Sportscast LLC, its owners and partners, or this network. If you heard last week's show, you know that our roundtable discussion was about secret weapons and that we talked about players as those weapons. But there was a part two to that discussion that we didn't have time to air last week. 
The second half of the My Secret Weapon Is discussion was on strategies, and I think it contains a lot of good info, so I wanted to share it with you now. So, this is... Sastrat of the Round Table! Part 2. My Secret Weapon Is Strategy Edition. Back are Sir Charles, Sir Peter, and Sir Dave. Okay, so now let's go on yeah. to let's go on yeah. to uh concepts, you know, as 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 secret uh strategies. So hey, let's let's start with you on that one, Dave. Okay, well, one of mine, I um I guess these aren't gonna be secret anymore. But um one Don't of give away is- too much. Oh, well, actually, give away too much. So yeah, we I mean, well, you. I guess it's really, <laughs> we don't have to agree with it. People may look and see holes in it, and, I, you know, who knows. But um, one of the, the biggest things I look at is clutch hitting, and here's why. Um, you know, you can look at the clutch hitting like we just did the, um, the all-time greats, and uh, my team was four for 12 for the entire year. So you have 12 at-bats, 12 times at the – uh, <clears throat> clutch hitting situation that landed on the clutch hitting uh, symbol on the card. So you think it's kind of out of 6,000 rolls, it's uh, statistically insignificant. However, what it does for me, what my goal is when I put a lineup in is protect my best hitter or hitters. And usually it's one major one because you usually have them all in a row. So it's that, that guy that I want to protect. I don't want I don't want any of my guys up in intentional walks. None of them. That's one of my goals. And so what you can do is you can have a clutch hitter behind. I'll give you an example just to throw it out there. What I just did in this season. Mike Schmidt, I had his 1,079 whip card. All right. Hitting behind him against righties, Dan Dreesen, 281, 815 OPS, you know, walks, nothing special, but he has clutch hits on his card. So Schmidt would never, ever walk. They would never walk him. And you also got the righty-lefty aspect of it. But they would never walk him because I think what Strato does is that when they get in a clutch hitting situation, they don't look at anything but who has the best chance to get a hit. They don't look at slugging percentage, doubles, homers, anything like that. I think it's a straight going who gets the who who has the best chance of getting hit. Because if you get a clutch hit, you know, obviously you, you score at least one run, if not two. So that's one of the things, and, and that's that's worked for me over the years where I can protect, like there's some people you can't protect. Like uh Tim, you know, you had Hugh Duffy. You can't protect Hugh Duffy in a 440 app. You know, you just can't. <laughs> Ed Delahaney, I had 354 clutch here. You can't protect him. But some guys you can, and I'd rather have Schmidt batting as much as possible. And so obviously, so he can hit the extra base hits and so on and so forth, even though he might have had a less chance than Dan Dreesen in that thing. And Dreesen's like 1.7 million. So that's one of the the, re, the things that worked for me. Again, I don't want my guys up in intentional walks. I don't want them there. I want them to hit as much as possible. Um, and also what it can do in a mystery card, it can kind of give you a little bit of idea too. If you get into those clutch situations, what does Hal do? What does the computer do? And you can kind of look and say, why didn't they pinch hit or why didn't they walk this guy? Instead of this guy, because obviously the, the you know the guy up front is a better hitter, but they let him back. Now, of course, you have to take into consideration score, inning, all that stuff, you know. But um, you know it, that's something you can kind of look into, or pinch hitting too. Like if you have a guy on the bench, you have a platoon guy or whatever, 
And every time it's clutching situation, I bring him up. You know, that's another way you can kind of figure out the card. It's not foolproof. You have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together, but that can help um, with figuring out a card or at least giving you an idea and maybe um, eliminating a card or two, which is, you know, we always want to do that. And I yeah. think too, with the, um, the clutch hitting too, you want to have a righty lefty backward mix like that, like Schmidt and Dreesen, Schmidt's righty, obviously Dreesen mm-hmm. lefty. So you want to have that opposite hand because I think when they go both the same, they could kind of offset that a little bit. Um, but I think if you have an opposite hands uh, behind the guy that uh, it can work for you. Right. So that's, that's one of the secret weapons. Uh, that's one of the things I use. It's not the top of the list, of course, but it's something that I look at. And especially when you know the card, that's a, it's really easy to do. But when you don't know it, I, I'll look and see what kind of clutch hitting they have, maybe three out of five cards or four out of five or whatever, just to maybe if it, it, it could be like a tiebreaker between yeah. two guys, you know. So, so that's, that's what I got for you there. All right, sounds great. What about you? What about you, Charles? So my secret, I don't know if it's much of a secret, but I know there's a lot of players in the mystery card 365 leagues that don't really do this or they, or they play set it and forget it. I like to assign as many relief roles as possible, not just because I want that quote advantage of lefty on lefty and righty on righty because Hal manages to screw that up half the time anyway. But what I like to do is um, so if there's a middle inning and I've, and I've got two right-handed pitchers that are similarly weighted against right-handed batters, I might start the season and put them both in the middle and see which one Hal picks and know if that's the better card. So if I'm choosing, if I only need that one role, I'll know that the other one might be expendable. Of course, other things come into play like, uh, you know, fatigue and, you know, did he pitch the night before? How might not pick them? But, you know, I like to switch the roles around a lot. I look at my opponents. I look at their, what. first of all, I've got the options with starters. If I'm playing matchups, I won't just look at the batting average the on-base percentage and the slugging splits of my opponent. I'll look at their one loss record against the starters and see. And once I, so if I can adjust, if I'm able to adjust my rotation for that advantage, then the rest of the relief pitching, I want to go righty, lefty, righty, lefty. And maybe like, especially in the later seasons when the starters are only four innings and then they get fatigued, like in the 2020 set, I like to be able to wear out the bench. So by the sixth inning, he's used up all of his platoons. He's used up all of his platoon pitch hitters. And now he's stuck. He's going to have a righty and how's going to bring in the righty to mow him down. Or it's going to be a lefty lefty and how's going to bring in the lefty to mow him down. Tim, so, real quick um, on that. I agree yeah, that. 100% with the lefty right. When I see a team that doesn't have any, it's all righties in the pen. I love it. Because it takes your strategy is so much it's so much easier to manage against. When I see lefty righty lefty righty, they, then you can really maneuver things around. I mean, so you and you have to put that when you're making your lineup, you have to make that a factor. But go on. Yeah, I mean, it, the worst feeling in the world is when you have a bullpen that's not doing well. You can't quite figure it out, and you it seems like all the other options if you drop him especially when you're talking about 10 and 20% devaluing seem worse. So you're just stuck, Mm -hmm. you know, you're a pig sitting in slop and you're not able to move out of it. But if I've got a, 
I can make an average bullpen good if I play the uh, if I play the splits and the righty lefty splits well. That's that's absolutely true. And real quick, um, the Phillies are still taking applications for relief pitchers for closers in the ninth inning. For people listening to this, I'm a big diehard Phillies fan. So um, if anyone can get anybody out in the ninth inning, we would appreciate your application. Thanks. <laughs> I heard that uh, the Phillies have contacted Strat and they're just going to go on the mound with some dice. And, you know, they, they paid off. You know, they paid off the league. There's no stickum involved. They yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll roll one two line out max after they put two hey, guys. You know. I'll make I'll make you a deal. You uh you send us back Joe Girardi and um, Gregorius, and I'll give you uh, Zach Britton and uh, Aaron Boone. How's that? So when is Boone? What's the over under of Boone's being fired? It's going to happen any day. I think. No, he's not going to get. Yankees don't make move. They won't make a move midseason. They won't. They they won't. I mean, you know what? To digress, this is the most poorly constructed Yankees team I've ever seen. So Cashman really needs to take some heat for it. It's really bad. It's a poorly constructed team. But anyway, yeah. okay. So let's do what your what is your what is your secret strategy, Peter? All right. So number one, I have. Well, I have two. Uh, number one, I think everybody, nobody emphasizes the draft order enough, um, and in in a couple of ways. Now, number one, in the eighties, um, my draft, my my secret strategy is Ozzy Smith is number is my always my number one pick. Now, I learned this the hard way by not having him the number one pick, but every time I've had him as my number one pick, I've ended up with one of the top teams. If if you get one of Ozzy Smith's best 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 cards, which is or great cards, which are three out of five, the other two were are okay at best. Um, you are set at shortstop, which is very important in the eighties. It's going to make your pitching staff, whoever you choose, that much better. And he is he'll hit three hundred for you. He'll steal a hundred bases for you, and he will just ignite your offense. And too many people will will they will not understand the importance of that position specifically in the eighty set. So that is my first kind of concept. And then my other my, my other thing on drafting is the way I the way I construct my teams is I essentially build my starting nine or I or I, or I build my my starting rotation and then I take my top relievers. And then, of course, I build my starting nine, and everybody else is sort of just on the periphery. I don't necessarily care about my bench player. But what I'll do is I'll actually rank my non-starters in an order in which I think I won't get them. So I will get my top starters. I'll get my top relievers. But I'll never be—I'll never get so many players where I'll be really low on the waiver order. So the guys that I've drafted that I don't necessarily care about, I may get, I may not get them, but it's not going to where I'm going to get the pick. So now if I get all of my top nine players that I'm looking, really looking to build my team around, I'm still going to end up having the sixth or seventh pick in the waivers, which I'm still going to be okay with because uh, I'm not going to be, it's not going to be that important. But also, if I get screwed over and Hal screws me over in the draft, I will definitely, then I will always, then I'll have a top one or two pick 
and I can really readjust my my whole strategy really quickly and turn on a dime. Um, and again, people, when it comes to the draft strategy, nobody really kind of under, and people don't emphasize it as much. They just, in 12 team leagues, they, you know, if more likely than not, if you don't pick, you know, if you don't get your picks, there's still going to be plenty. But, you know, as you guys know, waiver, waiver order is, is everything when it comes to uh, getting, to fixing your team if your draft doesn't go that way. So I, I don't, I, I will definitely make sure of those orders that way. Now, the other one is not, it's not necessarily a, a, a secret, but middle, if any, you guys have all played with me and you all know that relief pitching is oh, yeah. a, a huge piece of my strategy. Uh, but I think a lot of people, what they'll do is they will get hung up on starters and they'll get hung up on some flashy, uh, you know, flashy positions, shortstops, center field, right field. So, you know, those power positions, those, um, I very often, I will build my teams around my middle relief guys like Rob Dibble, Mike Adams. Um, uh, I will use, you know, I will a lot of times draft, uh, my, I will draft three top flight closers. And that way, I, I doesn't really, regardless of who I get in my start, as a starting pitcher, uh, I know that my fifth, sixth, and seventh, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth innings are usually taken care of. And really, when you're thinking about any sort of baseball game, whether it's Stratomatic or professional baseball or wherever it is, if you can take care of those key innings and you can hold an, an, uh, an offense scoreless or at least, you know, uh, to one, one run in those crucial innings, more likely than not, you're going to have a winning team. And I, I, I have seen in, in, especially in our 2014 league, an emphasis on relief pitching. But I've noticed overall in Strat, that middle relief seems to be something that is not necessarily focused on it. No, that middle relief, for me, has always been my two, three, four, no, four, four draft picks. And, yeah. and that, that's always how I've done it. And, uh, you know, I think we've talked about Rob Dibble. Rob Dibble might be my favorite card ever in Strat 365 because if you hit it right, Rob Dibble's going to pitch your seventh, could be your sixth, seventh, and eighth innings for you. And he's and if it's the right card, he's going to shut him down. And if you have the lead after five, and Rob Dibble is 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 setting up a guy like uh, Troy Percival or John Wetland or even Trevor Hoffman, who's my the, the Rob Dibble, Trevor Hoffman's one of my favorite combos in, in 365. You're, you're gonna win 95 games. It, it, it's just it's just gonna happen. Um, it depends on the stadium, you know, you're in sometimes, you know, Hoffman does have a few hits. So sometimes when you pick, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Kaufman Stadium. So you're gonna get your, you know, your 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 Trevor Hoffman's gonna blow some saves with you know three straight singles uh, from you know ballpark singles, but more likely than not you're just unhittable. And uh, again, I, it's not necessarily some Rob Dibble and, and Trevor Hoffman aren't necessarily surprises and secrets, but um, most people don't go, don't think about them until the 10th, you know, the eighth, ninth or 10th pick. And, and again, I think on a whole draft order is so important. So important. Peter's strategies. Yeah. Peter's strategies are great because they're not a secret. Like I've played many leagues with Peter. 
it's always like the same players, the same setup, the same build. And in general, it's really, really successful. Like, you know, it's coming. It's kind of like uh, Mariana Rivera, you know, the pitch is coming. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, I definitely agree. Uh, people don't put enough emphasis on uh, the filling out the bullpen. Um Kind of to com- combine that with a little bit about what, what Charles said about the platoons, one of the things I like to do with my specialists is have them offhand specialists. So if, if they're my lefty specialists, they're a righty. With that, just you get one of those years where they just kill lefties. And then when they go to flip them, it doesn't flip. They stay in and I get the, and I get the killer matchup. See, so. That's one of those, that's one of those, uh, you know, and, and that'll be see with, with, with the 2020 set. Now that the, they have to have phase three batters that probably would change my strategy there a little bit, but, um, but, but a lot right along those same lines is, uh, you can keep that guy in against the right hitter and how won't switch out that pinch hitter. For the other guy, you know, that, that platoon, he won't switch to platoon. I'll still get to go against the handout that I want with that pitcher. So. To expand on Peter's uh, strategy, I, when I was thinking when you were talking about the relievers, you know, your starters, obviously you're not going to spend that much on the starters because of your bullpen. So you're going to have certain, you know, middle guys and stuff like that that are okay starters. But in a mystery card, you can kind of make see how they work it because you can maybe if if the card is what you expect, all right, he's coming out in the fifth and sixth inning, that's fine. But it could be something where the card all of a sudden he's not coming out of game, so he may he may have his best card. So in other words, you know, you put him on slow hook and stuff like that for that particular guy, you know, and it it, it gives you an opportunity to get lucky, so to speak. Yeah, you know, because you're concentrating on the bullpen. But these starters may be good too, so you can, you know, work with them as well if you get the best card there. You can find that out, in other words. So. Well, dude, thank you guys. This has been a great roundtable today, man. We think we went over a ton of different stuff, man, and it was all, all. I think we got good strategy in, and we got good nostalgia in. So. And yeah, one more thing I want to add is uh, okay. patience. <laughs> patience. Yes. People, I think sometimes people try to go 162 and 0. Not going to happen. You know, it's okay. You know, if you go, everyone's going to lose seven out of ten or eight out of ten or something like that. Things aren't going to go right, just like real baseball. Um, don't panic. Just have patience. It's a 162 game season, and even if you start out bad, just you know, stay the course. Um, and you don't have to cut your whole team if you start off uh, five and ten. So. Yep. In mystery. If you're going to cut somebody, make sure you know your, you know, your 95% cut date. And after that, you got to understand that it's all about strategy after that point. If you have a player that's not playing well and, you know, a guy like Tony Phillips, if you don't have one of his, you know, 400 on base percentage years, he's playable, but you got to learn how to play him right. And dropping him for somebody, you're just going to start spiraling down and page, I, Dave said it best. Patience is best. It's, yeah. You know, otherwise, otherwise you're chasing your tail. You're always looking for that hot card. You're impatient, and it works to your advantage the other way too. I had Craig Council, whose first 40 at bats was batting close to 400, and at his 100 at bat mark, he was batting 210. 
So yeah. I think, I, you know, he's not as good card. And then, you know, bring on Robbie Cano, baby. Someone cut him. Yeah. Yeah. I had that with Pokey Reese. I was hitting 400 with him, and I was like, well, I've got to have that, you know, that, that 340 on base percentage year. You know what? I can live with that. And then he got injured, and it was not that year. It just, I was getting some luck with that card there at the very beginning, and it was a catastrophe. So, you know, definitely, you have it staying the course, especially once you get to that 10%, 10% drop. That's just, it, it, a lot of times it's hard. I mean, if you're not playing in a mystery league, there's almost no player that is worth a 10% drop. Yeah. Unless you have the wrong guy for the wrong part. And you yep. just got like a, a reliever that's getting shelled because he's giving up all the home runs because he's got so many home run checks. Unless well, it's something radical like that, there's almost never that a 10% drop will, will yeah, give you that you return 20, on value. 20% after the second, in the second half of the season, 20% drop. So, I mean, oh, yeah. Well, there's nothing close on a 20%. Right. I, I agree. I agree. So, okay, guys, I really appreciate it. That's it for Sir Strata the Roundtable. Thank you, Sir Dane. Thank you, Sir Charles. Thank you, Sir Pete. I'm Sir Jimmy James, and we will be back. Huge thank you today to all of our roundtable guests, Sir Charles, Sir Peter, Sir Dave, Sir Eric, and Sir Kiko. A big thanks to our normal cast of characters, Andrew Burkham, Joaquin Lewis III, Jimmy Dees, Carolyn Snyder, and the music man himself, Jeff Texon. All the songs you heard today were written and produced by Jeff. A big thumbs up to our Patreon supporters, and most of all, to you, the listener. Like, follow, tweet at us at all the normal social media outlets. Check out our website at stratology.com. S-T-R-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y.com. Or call and leave us a message at 855-88-0096. Leave us your secret weapon or your hometown rules. Hey Jeff, will you play us out? You got it, Jimmy James. We will see you again next week, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, on 365 Sportscast Streaming Radio. Same Strat time, same Strat channel. You're listening to the 365 Sportscast Network, the streaming future of sports talk radio. Listen to us round the clock on the net over 365sportscast.com. On your phone with the 365 Sportscast app. And on your favorite smart speaker by enabling the 365 Sportscast skill and saying, play 365 sports. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of 365 Sportscast LLC, its owners and partners, or this network.
out Stratology, Saturdays 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, on 365 Sportscast Streaming Radio Network.